Childhood Ruined. I'm here with Chris. And hello. Yeah, hello indeed. Uh, how's your week been? Um, you know, my life is nothing right now, if not interesting. So it's 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 been good. It's been entertaining. Um, we discussed this a little bit on Twitter, and I think I alluded to it uh, possibly happening in our last podcast. But I did reach the uh, ranked level in Eternal since the last time we spoke. And so that's the equivalent of Hearthstone's Legend. I, I think it's roughly equivalent. I'm trying to remember what they actually call it. I'm booting it up right now to see, but they, they you progress through levels of um, like in in uh, standard or constructed, if you will, or, or else draft. Um, and this was in the standard or constructed, where I could you know net deck somebody's deck and ride it to victory. I wish I remembered whose deck it was, and I would give them a shout-out. Not that anybody really cares, but... Um, I felt a little bad for the social media person for Eternal Card Game because they got a little caught up in me joking back and forth with you about <laughs> how many people play the game. And they're like, right. we have a lot of followers, and we're we're growing every day. It's like, oh, no, I'm not making fun of your game. It's like making fun of yeah. Chris, I'm not making fun of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, it just calls it ranked on this. Uh, there's like platinum, and I feel like they called it like master's level or something when you first got it, but now it just says I'm ranked and what my ranking is. Congratulations. Yes, yeah, it's uh, highly prestigious. I'm sure, you know, my award and what paycheck were, are in the mail. What were your stress and anger management techniques you used to get that far? Yeah, as I alluded to on Twitter, <laughs> virtually none needed. Um, I, you know, I just I enjoy playing it, and um, I'm sure not unlike um, Hearthstone and similar games, there are some incentives to play each day to get some, you know, opening of some chests and um, earn a pack of the latest set each day by winning a ranked game and. You know, I tend to do that anyway, and just happened upon a list that looked pretty interesting and, you know, was comprised of cards that I already own. And um, it's been a really, really solid list for the metagame, where instead of maybe winning, you know, 55, 60% of your games, it felt like, especially through most of that ladder, I was w winning a lot closer to like a 75% clip or so. Um, and so it made it pretty easy to progress through the levels and get there. Is it more of an aggressive deck or something that's more controlly? Oh, no, it's definitely controlly. Um, you know, much like Hearthstone, the, the main thing that people are using in the game are similar to minions. It's, you know... Things with uh, power and toughness stats that, you know, you run into each other and try to damage each other with. And this is mostly avoiding using those at all. So just by that strategy alone, it means that there's, you know, a lot of dead cards for opponents or cards that are not very useful to the matchup with me. And it, I think the other thing that really helped me out is the combination of factions colors however you want to think of it depending on if you're an eternal magic player or whatever uh is a popular one but 
there's another deck that's more popular than what I'm playing that is a pretty different strategy. And so when people see those, they assume I'm playing that. And I think that leads them to make a lot of incorrect decisions early on in the game until they figure out what I'm actually trying to do. So Sounds like your magic blue-white decks where you just don't let anybody do anything. Right. It's funny because I tend to gravitate towards those kinds of decks as thinking that's what I want to play. But in Magic, at least, I have found that I'm more successful with like the complete opposite, the really, really aggressive strategies I found to be more successful, you know, for me playing that game. So but for whatever reason, I think mainly because you know, unnamed person on, um, you know, one of the websites came up with a really solid deck that for whatever reason has not caught on as being really popular. Um, so it's both good for the metagame and people don't seem to, to really recognize what I'm trying to do until often that's, you know, they've made some bad decisions. So. Now, are there sites like Hearthstone has a whole community devoted to weekly meta reports and things like this? So are there sites for, like that for Eternal that are yeah, absolutely. doing a lot of analysis? Um, I don't know about a lot of analysis. The uh, the one I go to the most uh, is the one called Eternal Warcry, um, and that's got articles and some analysis and whatnot, but also it's just a lot of um, deck lists. Um, and then there's another one that's like uh, – let me look it up because they were um, – I believe it's called – RNG Eternal, and they do a lot of analysis of the meta and lists of like what they think the tiers are for decks and whatnot. Um, and a uh, number of people on that site that uh, also stream. If people are into watching people's streams, you can go and look who their authors are, and those are people you can go and find on, on Twitch. So shout-outs to both of those, because um, without their guidance, I would be flailing around and most definitely not... <laughs> be ranked and constructed (laughs) what about you how's your week yeah i am just through the gauntlet of single parenthood for a few days so that was interesting um shout out to anybody doing the single parent thing i don't know how you have time or thoughts or energy right um so yeah now my, my wife went to visit some family and friends out in colorado on Thursday of last week, and then she was gone until just this evening. So there was um, several days where I was just with my son and keeping him entertained, keeping him alive, and sleeping whenever I had the chance. So, Yeah, that's what I remember about when that would happen with me is, um, you know, I would have these big ideas of like, oh, I get some time to myself, and instead it was just like – being busy, being busy and falling into bed at like, you know, eight o'clock or whenever it was that so you could get him to sleep and repeating and, and until <laughs> his spouse came back. Yeah. And every day it's like, OK, he's going to wake up around seven and mm-hmm. we'll take a nap somewhere in the middle of the day. But for the most part, it's like seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night. And you're just counting down the hours. But at the same time, I was trying to be mindful. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. enjoy the time with him and I wanted to break it up. So we got out of the house. We went to the zoo, went to the mall of America, uh, right. different days, went out to lunch and met a friend, uh, some no, same friend invited me over to dinner the night before. 
So we were doing a bunch of things. My sister-in-law came over and, and hung out a bit with them. She went to the zoo with us. So we had a really good time. It was fun. But yeah, by the time like he went down and then I was more or less cleaning up the house for about 30 minutes to an hour afterwards mm-hmm. of him just throwing things all over the place. Right. And then it's eight o'clock and yeah, maybe fantasy land me would have been like, Oh, I'll have all night to just do whatever. But it was okay. Could I stay awake for another hour? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We had a lot of fun and uh, I'm glad my wife is back. Uh, The one thing I did stumble upon, I had figured I would use some of the downtime when he was asleep to start a new game because I wanted to take a break from Hearthstone because I've been playing that a lot in free time. Mm-hmm. And I knew left to my own devices, I put him down to bed and then just queue up a game on my phone. And then 45 minutes later, I'd still be playing it. And I, I purposely did not want to do that. Right. Um, are you starting a drink over there? What's going on? <laughs> I am enjoying a fine uh, bourbon right now. Well, usually you're cracking a beer around this time, so you, you've stepped it up. Yeah, stay patient, and our you know listeners may hear that too. I was laughing to myself that you know you could distinctly hear the beer can go uh, in each of our last two casts. So pretty, I'll see if I can fit that in here. Pretty soon it'll just be like a sound drop. Just... <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've I had some thoughts about games I wanted to get. I've been toying with getting Horizon Zero Dawn and. XCOM 2, which I think I've talked about on the show before, and obviously I haven't done that yet, uh, but somebody on Twitter, a guy by the name of at Wicked Good, had mm-hmm. suggested this uh, Battle Chef Brigade game on Switch. And I got a Switch so, last year. Go ahead. Is there a tie-in with, with the Food Wars anime on this, or is this just additional uh, Japanese obsession with making food? No idea. Okay. I, I am oblivious. All right. So he suggested the game, and I looked at the like a YouTube video of a brief, like I don't know, ninety second review, mm-hmm. and it looked kind of interesting. I was like, "Huh, all right." And I was just in a mood of like, I need to play something different. I need, I need to not play Hearthstone. I need to not sit around and look at the same games I have or wonder what games right. I should buy. So it's 20 bucks on Switch, and I've been wanting to play the Switch more. I only have Zelda, and every time I try to play Zelda, it's so much walking around. There's no clear indication of what you should be doing. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a fun game. I just don't have the time, prolonged time, to just play it and figure out what I need to do next. Right. So I bought Battleship Brigade. It's 20 bucks, and I'm just having a blast with it. It's. It's hard to describe. I think I described it on Twitter as a combination of like Dr. Mario Shinobi and American Idol with role-playing game elements. <laughs> yeah, I watched a, a trailer for it when you when you mentioned that uh, it was one of the things you're interested in talking about. And I was having a little bit of trouble following it because there were parts of it that looked like kind of a classic side-scroller type deal. Yes, and then it looked like when you're actually doing uh, like a battle chef food war, which is what made me think of the anime, it looked like there was almost like a bejeweled style puzzle game involved. But I don't know if yes. that's at all accurate. It, it's all accurate. And it's all one game, which is uh-huh. really kind of fascinating. So we'll get into the story because the story is very 
it's more engaging than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a, you're this character, and you start out in a family business. They have a restaurant, and it's just in this world. It's just a matter, of course, that to cook the food, you just go out back and kill monsters. Those monsters drop ingredients. You bring those ingredients back into the kitchen, and you start cooking them. And that's just kind of how the world works. And you, okay. you just buy into it. Like, it's okay. This is, this mm-hmm. is the world. This is the universe. I'm there. I, I buy into it. And then they just expand on that idea. And it takes on, it's, I, again, I don't want cause I really want people to play the game and I, I don't want to spoil kind of what happens, but it almost, it has like this hero's journey, Luke Skywalker vibe to it of, you know, somebody who wants to get away from their home and do more. And it, <laughs> so it pulls you in that way. You meet different NPCs and it's all very linear. So it's not open world at all, which I think for me is a big appeal because lately the games I've been into are, I don't know, like Zelda or um, I tried to play Witcher 3 last year and Mm-hmm. which is a great game and I really enjoyed it. But after a few hours, it's like, I, you just get a little lost in all the things you can do. Mm-hmm. So just having this, that's kind of a story driven linear. Okay. Here's what you do on this day. And now it transcends transitions into the next day. And here's what you do. It's, there's not too many choices. So, so you like your game on rails is what you're saying uh, at times. Yeah. I'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying the rails. I'm enjoying the ride. Um, <laughs> Like, and it has a, it has a really neat, uh, neat, uh, I should find a better word, but it's <laughs> spiffy, an, spiffy. Yeah. It's <laughs> splendid. Now you have to battle these other people making dishes to impress these judges. And there's a timer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to kill monsters, bring the ingredients back, cook them. And to cook them, you have to it's kind of like Tetris or Bejeweled or a game like that, where you have to match three or if you have different cooking instruments it's match two and it has some rpg elements where you can upgrade your cooking gear um that does special stuff but you're under a time limit to make the best dish possible to impress this judge and win and the timer is always counting down so it's it's really exhilarating to throw in as many ingredients mix them up match as many things as you can and then when the clock's like five seconds, three, two, you just have to run to the judge and submit your dish. And there's a little bit of a loading time where you have to hold down A and it takes a second or two. So you, like almost every contest, I'm just barely getting the dish to the judge on time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of increases the tension level that way. Um, so, yeah, it's I've been having a good time with it. I think I'm less than halfway through it. Um, I think I got a long way to go, but it adds to complexity of the different ingredients and the monsters become more challenging and it's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. So to clarify, it's more of an action and puzzler game than an actual, cause I mean, there's a lot, but there's been a lot of cooking games out there, especially for like handhelds and stuff yeah. like that for a long time that like are actually about sort of cooking and combining. I mean, usually there's like some sort of element of like keeping up with customers, but it will literally be about putting different ingredients together, which for myself sounds boring for, you know, other people like them, but that doesn't sound like that's what this is about. 
No, there is a bigger world around the cooking. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. You're cooking like monster parts and stuff like that. So that makes it. But I mean, when you cook, it's these little jewels or these blue, green, or red pieces. Or if you kill a bigger monster, then there's bone fragments in there, which mm-hmm. act as they kind of bl- block you in a lot of ways, unless you can match three of them and then they disappear. Or if you have a cutting board, you can cut them out, but that takes more time. So it it, it becomes more nuanced. Okay. But it's but not it's just cooking. Actual cooking, cooking is, is like a puzzler. Yes. More along the lines of like a Dr. Mario or Bejeweled or something like that than actually, you know, putting ingredients together. Is that correct? Yeah. I think it's it's more of an excuse to have like the puzzle element. Okay. You're not, gotcha. you're not going to walk away from this game and be like, I know how to make food better. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not going to, at least not yet. Um, you know, I'm only about halfway through the game maybe, but, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I just like the mix of gameplay is kind of interesting. I mean, you, you know, fighting the, the monsters is pretty simplistic, but there's, you know, some elements of strategy and you can unlock better attacks that, mean you defeat monsters faster so you can get the ingredients faster so you can get back to the kitchen and improve your dish better so i'm interested to see where it goes because the story keeps taking really kind of interesting and dramatic turns Um, right so and the art style is really really well done it's it's good to look at the voice acting is great the the music is fun i don't know i just I, i could see it as a game where if you're not in the right mindset, you might be like, what? I don't understand anything what's going on here. But <laughs> for maybe it was my wife was out of town and the kid was asleep. And I was like, I just want to relax. Like I, um, <laughs> so just was you, we, happy to zone into it. I've been very happy. We were talking about our Saturday nights or our weekends a little bit. And, uh, that was a funny moment from this weekend, which is I, sent you a picture of a drink with absinthe that I was about to have (laughs) and you sent me a picture of like the loading screen of that game (laughs) no it was me finishing it It was me finishing a chapter it was uh, celebration and glory (laughs) got you and that's where our our Saturday nights had diverged yeah that's uh I should just screen capture that text message and like post it on Twitter because it is pretty funny yeah. Um, so okay. Yeah, so Battle who, Chef Brigade on Switch, twenty bucks. Definitely check it out. That was going to be my question. Who would like this game? Like, if you enjoy playing X and Y, you would enjoy this game. I don't know. I mean, like, I it's because I haven't played many handheld games since Game Boy. Honestly, right? Uh, I missed the whole 3DS and what were some of the other handheld systems over the years that I've ignored. Oh, I don't know. There's what, like PlayStation Vita? What did yeah. they call their earlier versions of the, the Sony one? Anyway. Yeah, there's... but I really haven't played many of them, so I think there's more games like this for, mm-hmm. for handheld devices. Yep. Um, but if if you ever found yourself distracted by any of the number of Match 3 games on your phone, like for a year I was playing Marvel Puzzle Quest, Mm-hmm. On a daily basis, it was one of those games that a friend was playing. He's like, "Oh, this is kind of interesting," and then I played it, and it's got the same 
reinforcement schedule, daily login rewards, get new characters, get new heroes, and mm -hmm. you sort of get trapped into playing the game as its <laughs> own reward to just mm -hmm. play more of the game. Thankfully, I didn't spend money on it, but some people certainly do. Um, you know, before that, I played Candy Crush and games like that. So if you just like that gameplay, so the cooking element has a little bit of that. So there's definitely... And then is the... The side scroller is—is is there actually like platformer stuff to it? Like, what is that part like? Does it compare to anything? Yeah, I mean, they—it's pretty—it's a very small area, I think, for the, mm -hmm. at, least, at least so far. Um, your character can jump. You have daggers that you can throw. You have uh, melee attacks, and there's these creatures. Some of them are flying. Some of them are big and on the ground and others are more like boss monsters where they're over to the far end of the platforming stage and you so far i've haven't really messed with too many of them because <laughs> they can knock you out pretty quickly and then that takes mm -hmm. time from your overall timer you respawn but you lose time so i haven't messed around too oh much so, so you're on a timer for cooking you're actually a thing at that point as well it's all, yeah, it's all one. Like, you have five minutes to make uh, a dish, and it's, like, making, gotcha. making the dish and hunting. Um, okay. So there's one platforming level where you have to find this special ingredient, and they tell you this is the ingredient that this judge wants in the dish, but to find it, you have to catch an air current and, like, jump at the right time, and the air current takes you up to a higher platforming level. Mm -hmm. So there's some things like that going on, but... Compared to other games where it's just a platformer, it's a little bit more simplistic. Again, right. so far, I have not... Because it's timed. Right, yeah, you can't... It's not like you're going around Metroid land for hours and hours looking for a monster. Like, you're just trying to get ingredients, and then you got to get back to the kitchen. Um, right. So there definitely is a skill to it, because you're learning... Not only the cooking part, but like which monsters to ignore, which ingredients you're trying to get, um, because the different monsters drop different kinds of ingredients. Like I said, mm -hmm. some judges want different elements, so the ingredients will have a combination of fire, earth, and water elements, and they're different colors. So it does show up like Tetris or Dr. Mario, where some of them are just they're a line of two or they're a block of four, but they're not all the same color. They're mixtures um, or it's like more of an L shape. So um, it's, it's fun. Okay. So I think if you're, if you like kind of the puzzle element, if um, there's some RPG stuff of, you know, you, you have side jobs, you can earn gold, you can buy new gear um, you meet some NPCs in town and other, again, I won't spoil anything, but other folks that you kind of continue to interact with. And some of those characters are just really interesting and they're voiced well. So, I don't know, if you like a good story and gameplay that seems to be pretty polished and experience that's a little bit different from the average, you know, here's a big open world, go kill monsters, level up go someplace else, kill monsters, level up. Um, something different than a shooting game. Like It's it's a nice change of pace. I'm, uh, I'm definitely digging it. And it is available on Steam, not just uh, yeah, I think it's the, on, the Switch, right? Yeah, it's on Steam, too. And uh, one of the uh, folks from the game, because I was tweeting about it quite a bit, had 
liked a few of the te- tweets and wrote back. So I asked them if I could interview somebody from the team, and they said, sure. So on the other podcast I do, Cross Promotion, Noise Drop, uh, <laughs> we got to work on that. Uh, in the coming weeks, I'm hoping to interview somebody from the team behind the game and learn more about it. So that'll be cool. Nice. So, yeah, it's an interesting world to you know, throw out a suggestion or a question on Twitter, get somebody who's said, yeah, play this game, download the game, start playing it, really enjoy it, and then contact the people who made the game. Be like, hey, do you want to have an interview? And they're like, sure. Right. It's a strange world. I'm, I was trying to think what that would have been like when I was – a teenager playing games that I enjoyed and then where it would be possible to just talk to somebody who helped make the game. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange world. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, sidebar, Mario, Mario. Well, now, now I have to think about it. I don't know what I, I – Super Mario Brothers, I think, is what I say. Yeah, I, I think it is what you say, and I would say Super Mario Brothers. Do you think it's a regional thing? Because you're from the south. <laughs> I don't. I I am from the south. I don't know. I'm from Jersey. We have weird dialects right. out there. So, but I've been in the Midwest for so long. I think it's been beaten out of me. <laughs> Except for you, do say Mario. 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 Well, I think Mario Lemieux. Because that was a right? that was the other Mario. And he does pronounce it more like Mario, but I feel like. Mario says, it's a Mario. I don't know. Right. He, he does indeed say that. Good work. <laughs> so not to belabor the Battle uh, Chef Brigade, but if you do want to see my ongoing adventures in that game, you can definitely, uh, I'm sure I'll keep posting about it on Twitter. One thing I want the other thing, was it this weekend or last weekend where you had your bad movie night? Extravaganza. Um, well, I mean, we have them fairly frequently. It was not, it was weekend before was the most recent of those. So how does that work? Yeah. So this is good, I think, because we've spent a lot of time, I feel like, on this pod kind of talking about uh, a nerdy interest that we've lost or don't have as much time for or get mad at etc and and i feel like this one we have kind of two positive nerdy things that we enjoy and are just uh (laughs) able to be positive about so um i mean how this works i I mean first of all i gotta give a shout out to my friend hank for the second week in a row because this is really his baby is hank listening uh, yet have we gotten him on board you know i do really i i was thinking about it after we talked the last time and i do think he told me he listened to like we've we've posted it to multiple social media platforms once or twice at least and i think he told me he listened that time a couple people surprised me i mean Um, he's the only one who hasn't listened is what it comes down to (laughs) yeah the last person on earth um but anyway this has kind of been his thing that i also enjoy bad movies and so once uh we started talking about them it's gotten to be a thing that we get together to do usually also with our friend paul um and so in some ways it's kind of i mean it's not a super original idea first of all the internet is full of sort of like internet shows and podcasts and youtube shows about bad movies and kind of making fun of bad movies and whatnot and that's i think certainly where we've gotten the ideas for some of what we should 
watch. Um, and I was a giant uh, mystery science theater fan, um, you know, all the way back to, you know, high school or whenever that was at that first um, made Comedy Central that's actually originated here um, in Hopkins, Minnesota on a public access channel. Um, but that was long before I came to Minnesota. Look at you so dropping first, knowledge bombs. First I was aware of it was when it got, you know, picked up by Comedy Central as a thing. So, you know, I, I, I loved that show. Um, so, it, you know, it's kind of a natural fit. And that is kind of what this has become. It's Mystery Science Theater, the home game. Um, so, you know, we pick out or Hank mainly picks out, sometimes we set, throw some suggestions in there, um, a selection of bad movies that we then proceed to watch and laugh at and kind of make running commentary to um, and just enjoy whatever it is that uh, we have chosen to watch on a particular week. We usually get through, I don't know, two or three on a night. Um, I think it personally, I think it goes best with being able to you know, have some drinks, um, but um, certainly can be enjoyed, you know, just for their own sake and, and making jokes. I do think the kind of movies that we're talking about here, like, are meant for, like, watching with your friends and, you know, laughing about it. Like, I, one time I was texting with somebody as we were watching it, and and she was like, oh, I'm going to check this out. I was like, Oh my God, please don't like you <laughs> sitting by yourself in a room is not how you want to try to experience the movie that we're watching. So, so what are some of the movies that, well, what were the movies last time? I'm having trouble remembering which ones we watched. They're that good and memorable. The, the last time, cause we, I mean, we've watched a lot at this point and some of them, you know, are on Hank's like, you know, we, we use like Amazon prime and Netflix and, and whatnot. And so we'll pull up his account and watch stuff. So some of my favorites, however, um, there's one called wild, wild Wang, which stars a, it's a family friendly show. So be careful. <laughs> it's not what it sounds like. Um, it stars a Filipino actor named Wang Wang, who um, I believe is in the Guinness Book of Records for being the smallest or shortest person in a lead acting role. I believe he was like two foot nine. Um, and he, at least briefly in the Philippines, was apparently popular, but not well known outside of that. Um, and as often happens, at some point, the Internet found some of his movies and it became at least a small thing. There's actually a documentary by somebody trying to go and find out more about him that you can also find on Netflix. Uh, but what, the great thing about Wild Wild Wang was, in addition to just being kind of a bad movie, was as we watched it, we would sort of yell out what we wanted our wishes to be. <laughs> And this movie was kind of ultimate wish fulfillment, as in we would say, oh, I hope there's a whole tribe of these ridiculous, like, um, sort of aboriginal little people. They're, you know, like Ewoks without furry costumes. And sure enough, later on, there was. Or you would say, oh, you know, what would be a great idea is if you put a Gatlin gun on that dune buggy and then later on they do it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of. So is yeah, this kind of grindhousey in terms of genre? Like if somebody recently uh, saw Machete or 
something like that is along those lines. A little bit. I mean, certainly this movie is not as violent as those. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of violence to it, but in a much more like cheesy, we don't have a lot of money for any sort of um, special effects kind of way. Um, and the, the movie's supposed to be sort of in the Wild West slash Mexico, but yeah, it clearly is also just still in like not in Mexico at all. So is this like an exploitation film? Yeah. Uh, well, that that time period there was sort of a big Philippines exploitation movie type scene. So yes, that is probably your best characters. I mean, they're basically the whole the biggest gag to these movies is that you have a person who clearly had some sort of serious. Um, medical issue that caused him to <laughs> only be two foot nine and there's a lot of you know gags as in his sidekick picking up and like throwing him onto a balcony so that they can get into something just uh, all kinds of kind of you know ridiculousness I'm, around I'm his popularized or like, oh. you know with Gimli and Lord of the Rings which you like that so much too right uh, so this was dwarf tossing you know 20 30 years prior to that um, and somehow much more satisfying. Uh, so there's that there was, there's one called Miami connection that is like set in Florida, but it's a martial artist from another country who has a very weak grasp of English, but is doing all of his own lines and bad eighties music because he's supposed to be in a band. Like there's original material like music in this movie that is God awful and great at the same time. In fact, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie poster for Miami connection is amazing. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, and I believe for for Miami Connection, I believe there's also a riff tracks that's used it. And then um, there was a game that used the the theme music from it. Um, I'm trying to remember what game was that it was. The Grand Theft Auto and uh... no, it, it it's like a. a Oh, shoot, we're going to bog down here as I, if I try to figure this out That's... and talk at the same time. But it's something like Blood Dragon. It's a it's like a mod of an existing game that ended up being something that you could buy like for Far Cry uh, 3 Blood Dragon. Yes, that's what it is. So it's like using that Far Cry 3 engine and actually got released like you can buy it on PlayStation 4. And I believe it's like the credits use yeah. um, one of the main songs from Miami Connection as well. So that movie again like uh, i yeah i don't even know how to explain it like the <laughs> but again if you're sitting here watching with a, you know some friends like this movie is hilarious we watched birdemic which is kind of a classic in terms of really bad movies i believe there's a riff tracks out there for it as well it's sort of supposed to be a modern version of like hitchcock's um birds but it's it's clocking in at a 19 percent on rotten tomatoes so it must be doing something right they spend roughly i want to say like an hour of sort of really awful character development like this guy and asking out a girl and the start of their relationship and it's just sort of this 
that stuff happening, there's like a lot of talk of like stock options and things like that. Um, and the, and there's like virtually no foreshadowing or suspense building or anything. They just kind of do the story for an hour. They like go to bed and there's this wonderful uh, scene that maybe we can link somewhere because uh, you can find it on YouTube of like it sort of does a montage of various places that they've been as they're like going on dates and stuff and then awkwardly just transitions to suddenly there's like the worst CGI birds you've ever seen just dive bombing and causing explosions almost like they're like kamikaze planes like it it yeah and and then there's like the second reel of them battling these just worst cg animation it, you know it's it feels like you should be able to buy a really like for a two dollars you should be able to buy like an app for your computer or phone that puts these cgi birds into any sort of video that you have already because that's kind of the level of the that it's at it's interesting because the movies you're talking about before are both from the 80s and this one was made in 2010 so right and this person has made multiple movies which is just i mean that's another one of the fun things about doing these these evenings is like i'm sure the internet has information on all these people but i haven't really read up on them and so there's a lot of interesting conversation just about who is this person and like did they think they were making a good movie did were they purposely making something to be kind of funny and i think the answers are really different in each case um and maybe the most interesting case of them all is a guy named neil breen who directs his own movies always starring himself um and they are the most sort of beautiful frustrating piles of poop that you have ever seen like I, 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 it just sort of blows my mind, like who this person is and what he's trying to do, because he's made a whole bunch of movies and there's really no sense of like, there's no like weird Al Yankovic to this guy. Like he seems to be very seriously making some of the worst movies ever. Uh, I mean, sort of like how people got fascinated with the room. Um, and that's, I'm sure a hundred percent because of this whole internet thing of like finding bad movies and talking about them and making fun of them. Like, I don't think very many people would know what the room is, let alone would they have green lighted a James Franco movie about making that movie um, without the internet kind of doing these things. Um, and so this is just very similar of like somebody that seems to like very earnestly make not only one movie, but he's got at least four or five movies, maybe more. And they like, they just they make your head hurt like in some ways in terms of like <laughs> so why do you watch why not just watch good movies when you get together with your friends <laughs> uh, you know because they're i don't know it's i mean it's like why do you watch mystery science theater like it's it's fun and it's funny to like sit around and like watch these movies and like you know laugh at both like sort of the decisions they've made or the bad acting or the terrible effects or you know whatever it is um and then like i said like for me too like a lot of times there's kind of like these conversations about who is this person and like where was their head at and like why did they think they could you know this was a good idea or so as a as a mental health 
trained professional, you have maybe some other questions and some empathy for what's happening or some curiosity. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it, too. All right. Are you ready? Here it is. Hey, there you go. I got to work tomorrow, so I am not. Plus, I'm getting over a cold. I, you know, I will be working with children at, you know, nine o'clock sharp tomorrow morning. But you're within your two uh, standard drinks limit for men. That is yeah, not exactly. not problematic. So if we hear another I, bourbon glass, or I got to do it really quietly. Crack, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> some of the parents might have questions. <laughs> I'm sure Good all your point. kids are uh, are tuned in. Duly noted. Um, um, yeah, we did we did something similar when I was in, in grad school of all places. We had uh, movie nights where I had three other roommates. So the four of us, we each pick a movie. And then there was a, th- speaking of alcohol, there was a theme drink for said movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one time it was, we had Singapore Slings because we were watching uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And then what were some of the other movies that evening i don't know but it was a long day and i think super troopers was one movie that was fun mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. a sequel is coming out to that soon which i'm sort of dreading but also hoping it's funny but yeah so that's another way to structure it but it sounds like hank just picks out the movies and you guys show up and discuss <laughs> like i said it, we often hank has some selections and we choose from them and then sometimes we get to talking about like oh this makes me want to watch like a really bad kung fu movie and so then we kind of look for that until we find it or um you know it brings up like oh like i remember like seeing this crappy movie when i was a kid and we kind of go and find it and and see what we think and then, you know there's there's some start stops i mean that's the brilliance of being able to pull up you know, so many movies, again, thanks to the Internet on Netflix and Amazon Prime and whatnot, is like sometimes we get into one and like it's just it's not what you were hoping for. Like it's like, well, the Wild Wild Wang movie is on YouTube. Yeah. And it's yeah, it is. uh, Again, I think uh, all of these movies are best watched, you know, with some like-minded people where you kind of get that enjoyment. If you watch these movies by yourself, you're going to be, <laughs> I think a lot less, uh, you know, rewarded by it. Like we, you know, I watched, uh, what's the Brian Bosworth movie. Is it called stone cold? It, it is indeed. And that is not a bad movie, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a terrible movie, Mike. <laughs> oh, it's so good. We're just going to uh, have to have a stone cold episode at some point. <laughs> But thoroughly enjoyable as well in in this kind of situation. Um, Bishop from Aliens is Chains. He's the villain. He's the bad guy. Yeah, you know, I didn't even pick up on that, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, You can can take a deep dive into Stone Cold. It's got some real gems. Another high quality one that we watched just called the FP. And this is another, like, you know, pretty recent one. Um, this is like two brothers that sort of, yeah, clearly had aspirations to, you know, do movies and whatnot. Um, and so they make a movie sort of about their hometown and that it's named for their hometown filmed in their hometown, um, which is Fraser park, California, I believe. Um, 
but it's also sort of post-apocalyptic and two gangs are sort of battling for control of this town by playing dance dance revolution against each other (laughs) fantastic and it also if there was a grammy for most use of the n-word without a single black person being in the movie it would go to this film um so i will you know put that warning out there for people that if uh you know, you're going to be easily offended by, you know, appropriation of that word <laughs> in a movie that's mostly white people with maybe an Asian person or two. Um, yeah, that that's definitely there. It's one of the, I, I don't know, I, I, you know, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just kind of one of those things that, again, like there's this mental exercise of like, exactly how did this get made? <laughs> right. Yikes. Well, right. Enjoy some bad movies, I guess, is your is your take home message. Yeah, but don't do it by yourself. I mean, if you think you'll enjoy it by yourself, have at it. But I I truly think to really get the most out of this experience, you got to watch it with some friends and you got to make it sort of your own version of mystery science theater, or at least have those conversations about like, you know, what in the world were they thinking and who is this person and stuff like that. See, I want to get together and watch movies like blood sport <laughs> <laughs> or like, right. or uh, above the law. Like those movies where it just was like one guy going up against an army, nothing made sense, but um, they were entertaining back in the day. Well, we've watched these movies. It's just, it's like this guy watched Bloodsport and then was like, I can make that better. And like tried, watch Bloodsport and then heard Kevin Smith say, like, don't go to film school, like, just charge a bunch of money to your own credit cards and make a movie. And too many people took that advice to heart. And profit. <laughs> And we're like, eh, I'm going to make a better movie than Bloodsport. And they make, you know, Samurai Cop instead. And <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful disaster to watch. Well, I think and I haven't seen this yet. And I keep wanting to watch it. Well, I guess there's two of them now. I have not seen the John Wick movie yet, which everyone says is well, everyone. A lot of people say is entertaining and, and good, but I've never seen it. And I keep wanting to watch it. So that's on my to do list. Yeah, these movies are not John Wick. Have you seen John them? Wick. Have you seen it? I've seen the first John Wick, oh, and man. it's, you know, and John Wick is like, a, in a lot of ways, I think it's just kind of a, like a love letter to the good Hong Kong, you know, John Woo, Chai Yun Fat movies of the of the 90s. Of yesteryear. Um, Yep. I mean, with its own style to it, too, but like that sort of assassin gunplay type, I you know, gun porn, if you will, idea to it. Um, so, you know, it was entertaining. Um, you know, it, it didn't blow me away, but, um, you know, it was it was fun to watch. If you like that kind of thing. And then as somebody, we can do a whole episode about the heyday of Hong Kong cinema sometime if we want to talk about other nerdy things that Chris likes. Yes. Well, why don't you uh, close us out with a uh, music selection that you like? Okay. So it's, you know, your choice. Do you, do you want Chris's banger of the week 
or what's on Chris's turntable because we we talked about both as being potential reoccurring things. Uh, well, I think this has been a overall hopeful episode. Might as well keep it that way. I don't know if that makes your diff- your your decision any easier or <laughs> or more dramatic. I don't know what that that leads us to, but we'll yeah. Since we're maybe we're taking it down here, we'll 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 do what's on Chris's turntable right now. Um, so this came up actually over the weekend, and so that inspired me to um, dig it back out. Um, and so what is on my turntable right now is a record. I guess, you know, by it's by the Blind Boys of Alabama, which um, if you are under the age of, say, 70, 70 uh, and not religious, you probably don't know who they are, uh, especially if you're not from the South. But they are a gospel group that, as their name would imply, has always been comprised of people that are blind. Um African-American males that are blind. Um, And this is actually the only music that I really ever heard my grandfather play and like enjoy. It was like would be like the only tape or a track or whatever, you know, the, the, the medium was when I would ride in his car. Like that was the only thing that I would ever see him have or listen to. Um, and it, of course, you know, if you're like 10 year old me, 18 year old me, like it was not something that I was into at all. And a number of years ago now, um, Justin Vernon or <laughs> Bonnie Vare, if you will, um, decided to do a record with them. He had been pretty obsessed with uh, a, a lot of like religious music, even though he himself is not religious, kind of growing up. And I don't even know how this all came together, but they came up to Wisconsin to his studio and did a record with him where – uh, you know, he produced it, he plays on it, uh, he probably sings on it some too. Um, but what he mainly did was bring in other um, artists uh, from kind of indie bands and people like that, and they would take turns doing a song with them. And it's just one of my favorite records to just kind of sit around on a lazy evening, snowy day, whatever, and listen to. And what I have pulled up is one called uh, I'll Find a Way to Carry It All. So we'll play that a little bit in the background. So it's not a it's not your uh, rager go-getter. It's a very, very It's not some of the other stuff you've, you've recommended. Yeah, it's it's a very very mellow record overall. Um, like I said, usually a guest vocalist, a lot of them not even particularly well known, unless you're a big um, kind of indie music person. The biggest people that I can think of that are on it would be like Justin Vernon, who's Bonnie Vare, uh, Meryl Garbus, who is the Tune Yards woman, um, or like Patty Griffin is on one, but. What did I say? 
so it sounds and then there's sounds some, pretty chill. It is very chill. And then there's I think there's one or two that are just the the blind boys doing their thing, which is you know like I think five guys singing harmony, which you know. Is it like is not a bad barbershop quartetti, like but a little bit more mellow? Well, that. I mean, it's always been sort of gospel. I've yeah. never heard them like without backing music and much more gospel than um, barbershop quartet, which you know, again, is maybe not everybody's thing, but sure. um, you know, when I think a lot of people like some gospel music without realizing that they like some gospel music because so many of the popular soul artists from, you know, the 50s and 60s, especially, that's their background. Like, first they were gospel people and then they would do sort of R&B and some people would kind of go back and forth. Um, so a lot of stuff that people sort of think of as being R&B has a lot of gospel elements to it. So. Cool. And it makes me happy because it makes me think of my grandfather, who, who is, of course, no longer with us. So there's that as well. Yeah. Yeah, music is a very powerful tool that way to remind you of people. Yep, no absolutely. Excellent. So there we go. Uh, Blind Boys of Alabama record is called I'll Find a Way. Uh, you can find it on you know your your favorite streaming service but personally it's one of those that i think is best enjoyed by putting it on your turntable and dropping a needle on it and that's where it is right now much like death leopard pyromania (laughs) (laughs) i have that too and and that is also a good one to do oh i bring that up because i think that's the last record i asked you to play when i was at your house a few months (laughs) back like what do you want to hear and that one just jumped out i was like oh put that on different selections when you come over and and go through the records but that's part of the fun about it too is if you have a wide-ranging collection and seeing like what different people find in there and want to want to listen to and Def Leppard Pyromania is a good one as well right on well it's been uh it's fun to do these a little bit more frequently hopefully we can keep that up um for the thousands of people listening at home uh (laughs) Really appreciate the support and the feedback, the letters, the fan mail. It's amazing. Keep sending mm-hmm. it. Yep. Um, we actually do have an email address if anyone wanted to reach out to us, but it's probably just easier to reach us on Twitter if you have questions or thoughts. I'm at the IDM, and how can they find you? As I always say, it's at GeekZinga. That's GeekZinga with a Z, like Bazinga, but GeekZinga. Because you are such a huge fan of Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I crowdsourced that that name when I was trying to figure out what to call my little nerdy store, and you know, yeah, I was trying to make a buck. So, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe someday. Right. So. Right. All right. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, if we get a chance, hopefully maybe we can post that picture and, you know, uh, um, interact with us on Twitter. Let us know what you thought, what you think of the music selection, other bad movie ideas. Yeah, I, th- I imagine cetera, people cetera, have some bad movie recommendations because I don't think yeah. you and Hank and friends are the only folks who roll that way. 
No, I know this is I mean, like I said, this is a big thing all over the place. So I'm sure there's lots of I mean, we've watched many more than I I talked about. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what people are are uh, are watching or think we should watch. And, um, you know, hopefully some people check out that game. So we'd love to hear what they think about it um, as well. Cool. All right, folks. Have a good week. Night. See ya. Oh.